I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Mother to us all. Jeremiah and Jesus have much to say about what it looks like to thrive. How to be a tree planted by water rather than a shrub in the desert. How to be blessed, not woeful. Now don't worry, I promise I'm not going to categorize you as dry shrub or green tree, nor will I pronounce blessed are you or woe to you. But I am interested in how Jeremiah defines flourishing. Jeremiah, that gloomy prophet to Israel who warned his people of impending doom from war-mongering Babylonians, a punishment for their faithlessness to God, because they worshipped pagan gods and fell away from God's teachings, leading to rampant social injustice, crushing the poor and the widow, the orphan and the outsider. I am interested in how that prophet identifies what flourishing looks like even as Israel faces invasion by Babylon and eventual exile. And I am certainly interested in how Jesus the one whom, as CTS professor Ron Allen says, is portrayed by Luke as the final eschatological prophet and announces the breaking in of God's upside-down kingdom where blessings are offered to the least and warnings issued to the successful. I am interested in how Jesus identifies what flourishing looks like in this realm of God, the one that we are meant to inhabit even as we wait for it. And I long to know to feel what this thriving is because, frankly, I don't think it looks much like what we think of as thriving, as flourishing, as prospering. A few years ago, I stumbled upon an essay in the New York Times by Kate Bowler, professor at Duke Divinity School, entitled Death, the Prosperity, Gospel, and Me. In this essay, she chronicled her work as a scholar examining the rise of the prosperity gospel, the notion that we will enjoy health and wealth as long as we have the right faith, a strand of the American gospel of the self-made man and our faith in positive thinking that infects most of, Mer of American Christ Christianity. Think of Joel Osteen, pastor of America's largest church, who told Oprah while sitting in his mansion that, Jesus died that we might live an abundant life. Or evangelist Benny Hinn praying over people confined to wheelchairs, suggesting that if their faith were strong enough, they might walk again. Bowler chronicled all of her research in the book Blessed, a history of the American prosperity gospel, but she herself does not identify as a follower of the prosperity gospel, of the notion that we can control our fates through our faithfulness, that God rewards the faithful with abundance and health and punishes the less faithful with ill health and poverty. And then Kate Bowler, young mom, faithful Christian, newly tenured professor, was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer at the age of 35. And then she was faced with many well-meaning friends and neighbors and church members who suggested that she needed a stronger faith, that there might be something in her past for which she was being punished, that everything happens for a reason. 
and by other non-Christians who suggested other ways she might control her life, eat more kale, undergo alternative healing processes, and so on. And what Bowler realized was that all of this was a way to have a sense of control over one's life, thinking we might even be able to control the ruler of the universe if we just behaved correctly. And then she realized that, secretly, she sort of believed all of that, too. During all of her treatments, as she lives with incurable cancer and lurches from scan to scan, hoping the cancer at least doesn't grow, Bowler has had to give up the notion that she is the architect of her own life. That by being a good Christian, there will be some advantage. That, as she says, I needed to be shiny to be worthy of God's love and the attention of others. And that I needed to achieve and be master and commander of everything. Instead, she has had to let go of the notion that she controls anything at all. Instead, she has had to let go into utter reliance on God, let go into a relationship with God that is not about transactions. I do this good thing and then I'm rewarded, but is about utter trust that God is faithful to us, no matter what. That God is at the root of our lives, no matter what. That with God, we can thrive no matter what. And of course, this is biblical. The prophet Jeremiah makes clear that what lies at the source of our thriving is not whether we have money or health, but in the source of our trust. If we trust in mere mortals and our own strength, if our hearts are turned away from God, then we are like shrubs in the desert, too short to see when our relief is coming, parched, living in a dry land, no hope of surviving a drought or any kind of trouble. But if we trust in the Lord, if the Lord alone is our trust, well then we are like trees planted next to deep streams with roots that grow deep and wide, reaching down into life-giving water. We are tall enough to see above the parched land. We are nourished so deeply, our thirst is quenched so thoroughly that we can survive a drought or any kind of trouble. Even in times of lack, we bear fruit. Now notice that none of this is due to our own effort, our having the right kind of faith or prayer of our eating enough kale, of putting only positive thoughts out into the universe. This isn't hashtag blessed. Rather, this is about allowing oneself to be rooted entirely in God and God's will, drawing sustenance not from what we do, but from who God is. This is hashtag trust. This is not about avoiding the troubles of life. This is about being so deeply rooted that those troubles, the harsh winds that beset all of us at one time or another, illness, financial worry, strife, mourning, they cannot uproot or unmoor us. Even in a desert, we can thrive because we are planted near the deep waters of our God. That is what Jeremiah sees as thriving, as flourishing. All of Israel is under threat from the Babylonians those who have been faithful and just, and those who have been strayed and become corrupt. But Jeremiah shows two ways to face the coming storm, two ways to live during a time of tribulation. One is rocky and hard and can't see any hope. The other is lush and fertile and hopeful. And of course, 
Jesus, too, offers another way to imagine what flourishing and thriving look like as he describes those who are blessed and those with cause for woe. Notice that he doesn't tell people to become poor or seek out sorrow or starve themselves. Rather, he just sort of describes the situation in the realm of God, the one that he is inaugurating. In this realm, those without, those who are lost, those on the margins, the poor, the sick, the mourning, those are the ones blessed of God. And I can't help wondering if that's because those are the ones who have no choice but to be utterly dependent upon, trusting of God. Those are the ones whose only trust is in the Lord, for they can see that they cannot rely on mere mortals or their own strength. And Jesus is not cursing the rich, the joyful, the fool. Rather, he is saying that those things are their own reward. But they are not signs of God's blessing or symbols of their own faithfulness. This is definitely not the prosperity gospel. God does not reward our faithfulness with health and financial prosperity. Rather, God responds to our utter trust with God's faithfulness. Our thriving, our flourishing is in our relationship with God, our trusting God, not in our own actions. So how can we thrive? What does it mean for us to flourish? After all, let's face it, most of us, all saints, if not all, are rich by the world's standards. We have enough to eat. We have much to laugh about, most of, if not all of the time. But we also know that there have been times when this church has struggled, has been reviled and defamed because we tried to do what we thought Jesus would have us do, care for the homeless and poor, burying the dead no matter what they died of. And we all know that there are many among us who are struggling and lost, whether because they are mourning the death of their beloved or facing a frightening diagnosis or living with a chronic illness or struggling with family trauma or living paycheck to paycheck. So how do we thrive, whether we are laughing or mourning, whether we are full or hungry, whether we are rich or poor, whether people speak well or ill of us. Our culture would tell us that we just have to try harder, that we just have to stay positive, that we must pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But that's not what scripture tells us. That's not what Kate Bowler, young mom living with stage four cancer has learned. Within the cancer diagnosis and treatment, Bowler found her deep roots in God did sustain her. Though she has been angry and has bargained with God and begged for healing, she has also felt the presence of God in new ways, has felt deeply loved by God, has found that her own pain connects her to the pain of other people. She has felt held by God and says she feels certain that in the worst moments, there can be an unbidden God and that I don't have to earn it. And I don't even have to worry that I won't have it. But that maybe the hope is that when we come to the end of ourselves, when we come to the end of ourselves, that we are not alone. And our scriptures tell us that we flourish, whether in good season or bad, 
during tragedy and joy. We flourish if we are rooted deeply in God.